Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at B-Dratty. B-Dratty just released their Dratty Sport line of performance polos, which are unlike any performance polo you have ever worn. They are buttery soft, ultra lightweight, and look like cotton. Previously only available at the nation's top golf courses, you can now shop the Dratty Sport at bdratty.com and receive 25% off with our exclusive discount code TFE25. These are uh, awesome shirts. I love the Dratty Cotton. The Dratty Sport is a great addition for those hot, muggy days. We also have some available in the Fried Egg Shop also if you're looking for a Fried Egg Dratty Sport in Navy. Go to BeDratty.com. They've got all the colors, all the styles there, and get 25% off with our discount code TFE25. Today's episode is with uh, golf course architect, shaper extraordinaire, Jaeger Kovic. Jaeger has been on the pod previously, last fall. Um, he was on in November, and we talked a lot about his career. I recommend listening to that uh, if you have not listened to it yet. It gets much more into his backstory. Um, some interesting stuff in those podcasts. I think there are two of them, actually. This episode, we just uh, I wanted to get him on to talk about Aronimink, the site of this week's Women's PGA Championship. It is a Donald Ross course in Philadelphia. Uh, Jaeger was on the crew from Hans Design, Gil Hans and Jim Wagner, who did a wonderful restoration of Aronimink. Uh, we have a video that is premiering on YouTube on Tuesday night, uh, worth checking out. That goes. That should be a nice accompaniment to this conversation with some beautiful visuals from Aronimink, you know, drone footage and Gil Hans commentary on that. And one other quick note, if you don't yet, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. It's free, it's three days a week, and it's the easiest way to stay up to date with all the happenings in golf, as well as all of the content that we are putting out there with Will does a wonderful job writing the newsletter and then you stay up to date. You'll never miss a pod from me or Garrett or a video or articles from Will. And you'll know what's you'll be a smarter golf fan. So sign up for the newsletter. All you have to do is go over to thefriedag.com and there is a sign up form right there. Without further ado, here is Jaeger Kovic. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. So you were uh, you were an associate, a shaper at Aronimic during the restoration. Yeah, um, I was there most every day working for Gil and Jim, and they were, uh, you know, a big part of it as well. Uh, they were there doing a lot of the shaping and dozing and excavating uh, right alongside, and uh, I was just lucky to be there uh, every day uh, helping out as well and working with uh, John Goswin, the outstanding superintendent, and uh, you know, keeping an eye on the contractor as well. It was great. It was uh, a couple of years ago now. What? So when you're in that type of role, what, what are you doing day to day? What, you know, obviously you're 
you're not, you know, the architect in charge, but you're there every day, which, you know, Jim and Gil aren't always there every day, but, you know, they're there a lot. But yeah, um, you know, especially with, uh, you know, Gil building down the street in Malvern, he got to spend uh, quite a bit of uh, extra time there, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, getting a sleep in your own bed is uh, is pretty neat and get to work at a place close this. I mean, that was uh, that was pretty awesome. So he was they were they were around a lot, but, uh, you know, most every day kind of started with uh, going into the, the shop every morning, looking at the aerial photographs we had uh, for and plans and everything for, for each of the kind of, we were working in generally one to three whole sort of increments at a time, just the way the sort of construction process works. So, you know, I'd be going in there and double checking and taking uh, photos uh, with the cell phone of like exact clusters of bunkers and grass lines and sort of gathering every little bit of information and detail we could about whatever holes we were working on at the time. And then most of the rest of the day would be spent, uh, in the field, uh, in the excavator or bulldozer or uh, helping with checking in on the contractors, setting up the next round of demo, uh, shaping bunkers, um, painting grass lines, you know, kind of everything. Um, so the, the cluster, the bunker clusters are going to be something that is really easy for people to see at Aronimink. Um, yeah. And probably the defining characteristic, I would say, of the golf course is probably something that most casual golfers would walk away with, be like those bunkers. Um, it is Bunker City. <laughs> yeah, I like As I like nickname. to call it. Yes. Um, have you seen any any Ross course with that type of uh, bunker features before? And if you haven't seen any Ross courses, are there any other Golden Age courses that you'd compare to the you know um, sheer amount and style of bunkers? Uh, sure. So yeah, there there are other Ross courses that have a very sort of similar style. Um, you know, I think you know. One of the interesting things, I guess, about Aronimink and for uh, some of your audience is that the style of bunker that was built and that is seen in all the aerial photos is different from what was originally drawn in the plans and the field sketches, right? So there is a difference of what was drawn versus what was executed in the field. Um, and a lot of that uh, is generally attributed to Ross's associate, J.B. McGovern, um, who uh, lived in the area and did some other work that has a very sort of similar style as well. Um, so you can see that at Jeffersonville is a uh, publicly accessible course in Philly, uh, not too far away, that has a very similar style. Um, you know, there's uh, little bits and pieces of it at a lot of different Ross courses. Um, you could see there is a, you know, it's funny. Um, I discovered about a year or so ago that there was a Ross and McGovern led renovation in Philly at a, at another course called Cedarbrook. And all of a sudden they got, they, the course was transformed formed from big sort of ovular oval uh shapes into these crazy puzzle pieces they almost look like sort of teeth sometimes with all the little tails and sort of mower like shapes uh all these little um uh little bits of fingers and and a lot of sort of uh clusters ranging from two three uh five it seems like you know i always find you know like they say with planting trees sometimes odd numbers work best um 
so there's there's a few right there. Um, I think you'll probably see some of it at Oakland Hills too. Uh, you've spent some time up there. Um, Those ones are a little bit bigger. They're uh, they they're like almost like flash face. They're much different than it's it's interesting that with Ross. Do you think it's because of the associates and the fact that he wasn't on site as much? You know, he worked more like a modern architect. Do you think it's that's why we see such a variety in styles of bunkers at different Ross courses? I think so. You know, I think um, what's happened a lot too is we've sort of uh, fantasized a lot about this, this like, and talked about the, like the sort of typical sort of Ross style. Right. But, you know, as Gil will tell you, there, there really is no typical Ross style. Um, so that, again, sort of goes to the point like we were talking about before is, you know, why it's so important to have the, the aerial photos so you can put back like exactly what was there. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, the, there's no typical Ross turtle back rings like you see at Pinehurst everywhere. Right. Those are those are pretty close to a one-off, but they're very, very unique. Um, you know, the greens you see at Aronim Inc. are much more sort of flowing, sort of uh, potato chip-like uh, putting surfaces that you see here. Um, you see some similar ones at like Mountain Ridge or Worcester Harbors, uh, and probably Glens Falls. I've seen some awesome photos of that place, but they don't really look like uh, Piners number two. Um, they're so, I, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the typical thing is something that, that really gets sort of, uh, there's, you know, the sort of cookie cutter thing is, is not really represent representative of his full body of work. You know, he worked at 400 different places yeah. with various associates, his career transformed, right? I mean, the early stuff up in Boston, like he got off a boat and water walked miles to his, you know, his first jobs. I think, you know, by the time he was, he was living most of the time, at least down in Pinehurst and traveling the entire country. I mean, he was a much different person and, you know, styles and evolve, right? We've seen that with, with just about every, everybody, right? The more uh, chances he get and the more time he spent on site. And then he built an entire business, right? So it was a guy that was making clubs and doing golf courses on the side. And he basically was like, you know, the uh, biggest, biggest name in, in golf by the time he, uh, he passed, right. It was maybe the biggest enterprise. employer. Right. Exactly. That's pretty wild. So, you know, how could they all be exactly sort of the same and just sort of impossible, but, uh, that's, you know, they're all, they have some similarities, right. You always see like excellent routings. Uh, the routings are really, 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 he was, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's probably his best or sort of most underrated skill. And that's why so many of his courses turned out so good. And then the more time you spend and the more uh, experts you leave on site to worry about the details, the better and the better and the better they get from there. Yeah, the, the routing at Aronimink stood out to me. I thought that it was it was pretty brilliant because I don't think, you know, Philly's got these really intense sites that have these, you know, it's a, almost like very muscular sites, like where they have these landforms that just like kind of, you know, move in and out. And they're just, you know, they're like almost not jagged. They aren't, I wouldn't say they're severe, but they're on the in places. Ed, yeah, they're on in the places. Ed. 
they're like a mix of sort of like this kind of farmy feel. And then a lot of them have these like super deep creeks that have kind of formed in the area. And they kind of all have some of, you know, more heavy soils. And then there's a handful of them with these like crazy quarries and, you know, not too far from where a lot of these golf courses is uh, uh, Valley Forge, right? And that's where like half the golf courses in the, the, the East Coast are buying sand from you know, these, these pits not too far away. So, you know, there's a lot of different things going on and uh, some are a little bit more subtle and farm-like than others. Uh, others can be a little sort of uh, tighter and uh, more neighborhoody and have more, you know, these sort of waterways and stuff like that. But um, it's cool. Yeah, I felt like Aronimanx was more on the subtle side in terms of compared to most in Philly, but I thought he really, it's a big property, but it's so, it's so the golf feels so intimate. Compact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's huge. It's huge enough where you can have all the infrastructure needed for a gigantic tournament. Um, And it, you know, it's not the, it, it fills the space nicely, right? There's not, you know, there's, there's a decent amount of uh, maintained rough out there, and but um, there's a good amount of trees. It's not entirely treeless. There's pr- you know some pretty steep hills. There's there's a a lot going on. It's not uh, cramped, but it's not um, just vast acres in between the holes either. You know, it's interesting. So there was originally planned to be uh, an 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 extra nine holes. I don't know uh, if it was, uh, you know, clearly it turned out to be a full 18 hole course, but, you know, would it have been a 27 seamless? It was numbered like one A, it had letters associated to the other nine. So maybe sort of a, sort of a a secondary routing, but uh, so it's, it's huge. You know, you could probably recover about five or six of those holes off in the woods if you, if you wanted to someday. Are, did those holes ever get built? No, there was one hole that mostly at least got completed. We, I don't, I've never seen a photo of it with grass on it, but um, I think it would have been the ninth hole in that course, which runs right next to 18 on the current golf course and through the short game area there uh, was at least shaped at one point, um, maybe a practice hole or something. Uh, with you spending so much time on site, what was, uh, I always think, you know, you pick up more and more stuff and what was like one little thing that just wowed you that you might've recognized a few months into the project? Well, you know, I think it probably wasn't even a few months. It was probably within the first two or three holes. I think one of the the really cool moments was working with, uh, Jim Wagner out there and, um, he was really, really good at, sort of teaching me different ways to sort of fix, you know, we're rebuilding all of the bunkers and restoring them to all the same locations that they were originally in and doing a super accurate job with that. Uh, But, you know, I think what makes, you know, what sets some restoration work apart from the others is sort of helping things, uh, you know, feel really old, even though everything uh, is new. Um, and so he was really good about helping me find little, uh, 
details in the shaping about, you know, doing things like, you know, we just spent all this time, say you're on a green side bunker, removing all years and years and years of sand splash. Uh, but some of the sand splash is what kind of makes, you know, extra sort of waves and contours and bulges in some of the bunkers. Um, so, you know, that's kind of, it makes it look like it's been used. Um, and so it, you know, you can take all the sort of new materials and pack it in nicely and sort of help it sort of get back to that same shape uh, and then do other things like, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you just sort of tell yourself a little bit of a story in your mind as you're working, you know, maybe, you know, people have been walking in through these one or two little places in the bunkers where, you know, it kind of seems to make sense wherever you are and then doing things to sort of exaggerate uh, how, you know, maybe people beat this one or two little channels down into sort of the shaping and, um, you know, little other things like, uh, like if everybody's hitting out of the same one or two places, maybe those get a little bit higher over time or something like that. Um, and you just try to add that last little kind of five or 10% um, in, in the detailing um, and, that's, I think, what sort of takes it from some of that sort of even that sort of typical kind of feeling like we talked before uh, to something that's um, that really, really, really feels uh, old kind of as soon as as soon as you can, um, given that, you know, you're putting brand new sand, brand new sod, doing uh, all sorts of different liners and things like that into it. So um, it's, a, you know, a very sort of straight process you're going from a to b in exactly what the photos show you but if you can do some of these other little uh tricks uh to help it age and be really really efficient um you know those are the types of things uh you learn working from working with jim especially uh he's he's the best at that i like restorations that try and make it look old like i mean one of the i thought the cool things about the wingfoot restoration was that they use the same grass on the greens like you didn't get brand new grass on the greens like it gives it a little bit of a you know it's you're restoring it and trying to restore it back to 1928 and right. in, in Aronimink's case so you should yep. want it to come out of it out of the restoration and look at you know it's there are things you can't avoid like obviously like you the sand and but sure but you know but even with the sand if you look at the little sort of mounds with sandy pits that are on the side of 10, 10 uh, yeah. which is a I little to bit ask of a different thing. That. So John uh, Goslin was really good. You know, that's not exactly the same bunker sand that's in the rest of the, the bunkers. You know, he really spent, you know, we, we tried to do some things over there that would really make it, you know, a little bit dirtier, a little bit uh, more scruffy. Um, it doesn't have all the liners or the drainage or stuff like that. Um, it's, it's a little bit different and uh, they're kind of like, know, scabs. He, he loves it. Exactly. Um, and he's, he's been, working on the, the finding the right balance over there for, for years. He's, you know, he's sort of very, very sort of old school with that. And he, the T's also are something that uh, I think will kind of help it feel old, right? You're not going to feel like you're playing on, you know, five different sets of these perfectly squared edge T's um, all going highest at the back down to, you know, the member T's and forward and, you know, such and such. Um, they're these super cool uh, freeform tees, and that's really how, as you can see in the, the aerials, it looks like there's a second set of greens there, and that's that's uh, those are the tees, which are pretty wild. Um, so you know, hopefully, uh, I don't know if they're going to let your your blimp or your drone up there uh, for some some aerial views this weekend, but uh, 
if you'll, you'll be wondering what those extra extra teas are or extra greens but uh the, the freeform teas are like an in vogue thing in architecture now but even in in 28 that wasn't a widely used feature right i think uh you know you didn't really see them at we you know most people draw them as as rectangles even back then but i think every once in a while uh it certainly happened um you know certainly you see more of the like connected stuff from like greens into teas where it just was a little bit easier to turn stuff back then. But, um, you know, there's, there's a few in the area too, you know, Marion was pretty famous for, for some of that as well. Um, so, you know, maybe, uh, that inspired a little bit over at Aronomy back then too. Who knows? What, uh, you worked grounds during the, uh, BMW a couple of years ago. Didn't you help out? I did at Ridgewood. I the two weeks prior, actually. Uh, I, I spent I spent some time with John and the guys over there. I mostly just bringing them beer uh, for for making all the work look good. Uh, you know, those are those guys are. You know, you don't want me mowing. Uh, I'm I'm much better with the big yellow stuff. I uh, you, you don't you don't want me trying to. I, I'll I'll just mess the stuff up. So, the smaller the machine, the worse you get. I mean, I can rake. Raking would be good. <laughs> what, uh, in terms of that, that championship, obviously you spent a lot of time there. Um, I mean, the conditions weren't ideal. What, what would you be looking for? The weather looks great this week with the, uh, with the women. What are you particularly keen to watch with the, the women's game at Aronimake? The biggest thing is going to be the lower trajectory shots that are bouncing into what should be pretty firm greens here. We've had pretty good weather, you know, basically through uh, the U S open at, at Wingfoot. So it, you know, we've got a couple little days of rain here or there, but nothing uh, super terrible, at least since that, that big tropical storm went through a couple months ago that did a lot of damage in the area. But um, I think it's going to be the ladies that play the lower shots um, and watching you know, how they react on the really cool sort of uh, potato chip like greens and how they can use some of the slopes to, to feed balls closer. Um, you know, if they put the pin on the back right of three or 12, you can hit it if you, you know, use the central sort of spines on these things and feed them to the corners. Um, you know, that's something we definitely didn't see when the guys were hitting it, you know, three, 10 carries, plug in, clean the ball and just hitting pitching wedge, you know, to, to write at it. Um, so hopefully, hopefully the course shows, shows off a little bit better like that. Cause that's how, you know, it was designed. It was designed for the members and that's, it was restored as authentic as possible. So the members could enjoy that, uh, you know, super authentic Ross, you know, fast firm, uh, you know, course that, uh, you know, I can't, uh, I can't imagine hitting a wedge into 15 in that semi punch bowl like thing. But, uh, if some of the, you know, ladies are kind of more like me hitting uh, sort of a longer iron or something like that in there, you can kind of sling it in over the bunker on the right and see how far back you can chase it. Um, you know, so what, what are a few other holes you mentioned, uh, three and 12, uh, what are a few other holes that you're, uh, your your are your favorites out there? The, the two, seven and 11, uh, trio kind of all in a row over there on probably the most extreme 
portion of the property. Uh, it's not really a surprise that Ross routed three greens on you know the the best feature and then played the three holes directly right back off of it and he kept coming back to it um so a pretty kind of cool golden age sort of routing characteristic there and then two's got the really cool sort of skyline green effect going um it's a shorter par four uh with a pretty kind of wild green and some massive massive bunkers off the tee uh which is certainly a nice welcome to uh bunker city as i like to call it um you know, seven is not quite as heavily bunkered as most of the rest of the holes, but it um, it's, again, another sort of shorter part four with the fairway just running straight, you know, kind of away from you. So you kind of have to pick a position and figure out where you want to play from. And then uh, you kind of flick a pitch up onto like a perch, perch green that's, again, sort of hanging on the uh, horizon there. Uh, you know, I would, wouldn't be a proper fried egg pot if we didn't tell John he's got to get back there and cut the cut the large trees down behind some of those and clear them out a little bit more. And uh, I was surprised but, when I was you know, flying around. I was like, God, what are these trees doing here? You know, I've been bugging bugging them for you know John Gill for years about that stuff, but you know that's why you know they're the architect and uh, I'm, uh, I was I was just the that sort of shaper on that on that project, but uh, you know that's how it goes. Um, and then eleven, which is you know right right again next to those holes, uh, is the the hole with the most bunkers on the course. It's definitely the most, I think, probably visually appealing. I think most people would agree with that. And it's got twenty bunkers on it. It's got a very 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 severe green where uh, we tried to you know increase two of the you know pin positions on it in the front left and the the front right actually to try to give them another. A uh, place or two to to put the hole, and um, you know it's funny. It's the most bunkered hole out there, and there are still two more missing from the 1929 photo that we based everything off of. It's pretty wild. Uh, there was another one further up on the hillside behind, and on the cluster on the right approach, there is a fifth, but that's right where a uh, sort of cart maintenance path uh is kind of where the uh, so you kind of couldn't restore that one and you'd block out all the the access so um but you know we kind of shaped in like a kind of ghosty depression in there as well so uh it was it was definitely there and you just kind of have like a little ghost feature for it if uh you know ever one day when the hover hover mowers and stuff like that are you know flying around the gps mowers and you're you don't need the don't need any more car paths. Yeah, that's uh. You probably still need them for wet days. Fair enough. The uh, you always need the cart paths for those uh for the wet days, unless you're on sand somewhere. That well, there's no really there's no real car paths out there. There's there's only little maintenance trails and some turnarounds and stuff. So uh, you know the uh, back to the future version of a uh, golf course maintenance. Maybe. Yeah, that you you hit on um. A, a couple holes like 15 and seven are so deep. I think I, I compare the, the property to like a bathroom sink. I feel yeah. like you're, you're either pretty neat. playing on a counter top, like along it, or then yeah. you're plunging in or coming out. But then there are a few holes that play along the bowl of the sink, yep. which are, I, I mean, like seven's a perfect example where like, there's no way you can get flat lies there. 
And then I think what will be neat with the course playing firmer is we're going to actually see the balls propel off the fairway. Like where if you don't hit, if it's canting right to left, if you don't hit it on the right half of the fairway, you're probably not going to find the fairway. I hope so. You know, the one thing I I will look to see is it's very wide. There's no doubt. So I would be curious to see how many of the fairways the ladies do miss because they are very, very, very accurate as well. So we'll see if the, the full firmness and, you know, the full sort of strategy of laying these things on the ground and, uh, you know, making some uneven, uneven lies, uh, and a few of these holes along your, your rim there, uh, if it works out, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to miss the fairway on nine. That thing is, uh, super wide. Uh, they're, they're probably not, you know, so we'll see, you know, I'll be curious to see where they, how they hit it over six, you know, the guys really just annihilated the strategy on like a whole like six carrying it so far over uh, the bunkers that, you know, were once thought like they were going to be in play and they were, you know, mostly an afterthought. So I'll be curious to see where they have the ladies playing from on, on a hole like that. And um, if they have to deal with the uh, cluster of four cross bunkers, like I do. Um, Yeah. The, uh, they, I think one of the things we might see is them being able to play to angles because of the width and then how accurate they are. Right. Okay. Where men, men, we don't necessarily see that because they, you know, they, a don't need them as much at a course that they can just overpower, but B, you know, they, a woman that it has it going with a driver. I mean, they can fit it into some tight windows, you know? Right. So we'll see where they hit it on 13 where, you know, it's got an interesting sort of layup component again with a cluster of bunkers right in the, uh, in the kind of general, uh, landing zone at least, uh, previously conceived. Um, and then it's got a pretty wild green that can cause probably the most three putts on the course, at least if you were looking at shot link data from like the old, uh, AT and T's there. Um, and that's another one that's kind of along the rim of the property. Um, you know, I, uh, what other good ones for those, you know, we'll see where they hit it on two as well. Do they try to hit it over the bunkers? Do they play all the way out to the right edge? Um, and then, and it could change you know, day to day, depending on the pin. It was interesting. I, my understanding was previous to the BMW. It was nine was like only reachable for like, two guys in the the tournament prior it was like dustin johnson and tiger something like that were like the only two people in the field to reach it but even in the uh, after tees went back and back as far as you could and they've kind of cool shared combo tees with 17 over there which is pretty neat we'll see how they set that one up too but um you know the ladies won't have to go all the way back there for nine there's no doubt but um we'll see if it's 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 reachable in two for them or if it's a full three shot uh Part three going up the hill um is you know when ian poulter's easily getting there in two uh at the last bmw it was i mean right you know you just put your hand on what do you as a young architect you know depending on what happens with distance what are you um what do you think about just everything going on i mean we're 10 years from now when you might be designing your own courses 
Well, I mean, it was certainly interesting to see, you know, we thought you we were going pretty far back for a lot of these holes or about as far back as you could on a lot of them. And they, and they had a decent number, you know, it was not like we didn't know it was coming and uh, they carried them by 10. It seemed like overnight like, and a change from the previous thought. So, um, you know, I, I do kind of, you know, I'm, what if you just made them all 6,000 yards and then it would negate, right? Bryson could drive everything, but it would be with a iron where, you know, someone like me could even drive it with the drive, you know, so I, I would even it out. I don't know. But then does, it does, it takes the importance off of that stuff. Yeah. I agree with that because if you, the distance gains importance, the longer it is. Yeah, the shorter it is it's still an advantage, but it's right. not overwhelming. It's not an overwhelming advantage. Yeah, because if I have the if, guy that can still get it the closest, not the furthest, sort of. And the advantage of being fifty yards away versus a hundred yards away is much smaller than the advantage of being one fifty versus two hundred. Yeah, I, I get it. So I don't know. That's right. to. It'll that that'll be a fun thing to watch with uh with the women this week too is like how far do you push up because you know you can't get as much spin on certain shots with these you know or you get more spin it it'll be this week's gonna be a fun watch it's one of my favorite my most excited tournaments when the schedule came out this year and then re came out I was just happy yeah. they're playing this week and perfect time right. to play in Philly way better than if it was in the middle of the summer like it was supposed to be. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Um, maybe we get a little bit of colors in the leaves. Should be nice and firm. And, uh, you know, it's cool. They're coming off two Ross courses uh, in a row. They were just at the CBU Bay as well. Yeah. Um, so pretty neat. Better better time to play there for sure than the middle of summer. That's winter golf. I go there in the winter for that one. Uh, but uh, West Buggy is perfect. No, it's great. So, you know, they looked like they were playing from uh, pretty far back on a few of those holes. So we'll see how uh, they set it up. What are, what are your favorite places for winter golf in uh, in Atlantic City as a, as a Jersey guy? That one's up there, and that's that's pretty far, right? That's Atlantic City. Uh, Atlantic City Country Club is always uh, uh-huh. up there as well. Um, you know, that was historically one of the great places to play in the winter. You've got all sorts of famous, uh, characters from golf history that will went down there to play. Um, uh, great Bay is a cool, uh, Willie Park Jr. Uh, just even a little bit South of there. Um, if you went further up the shore, uh, Sun Eagles is that Tillinghast I've mentioned before. Uh, that's about an hour outside New York city versus two going all the way South. Um, there's not too much great public access in between them, but, uh, there's some cool private clubs too, along the area as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you got, uh, Walter Travis's, uh, Hollywood is not, you know, is, is on the shore as well. And that's got 200 plus bunkers as well. Yeah. If you're looking for another bunker, bunker city. That's what I was thinking of when I asked you about, uh, as I was thinking, of, Hollywood probably would fit the fit the bill as a as a bunker city. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You just got to discount the one with uh, 57 or whatever, but uh, it's still up there. So it's cool. The, uh, that's like, it's like the Springfield. There can be multiple bunker cities, you know, cause there's Springfields in all these different States, you know, Illinois, Missouri, Massachusetts have Springfields, you know, there can be a bunch of bunker cities. Perfect. I like it. You know, it, it suits it. Um, you know, it's amazing. There were, there were like 20 more bunkers out there back in the day than there are now too. So, uh, you know, Ravislow in Chicago, was a quasi bunker city originally, but you know, today you wouldn't know it because it's been kind of neglected. Um, and, uh, but about whistling straights or are those, I don't think that really counts whistling straights. I mean, they're uh, half those bunkers are just out in space, outer space, you know, nobody even knows it. Does waste area count as bunker? You know, DJ would have to weigh in on that one, right? You know, I still use the word hazard, so I'm not the guy to ask. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, hey, thanks for coming on. You got anything uh, exciting going on in your life? You know, other than getting married. You know, you're uh, you're taking man now. But uh, what you got anything exciting on the work front? Yeah, we have a couple new exciting uh, projects to be. I'm going to be working on uh, this fall. You know, they range from. Uh, cool new short game area to uh developing uh some few new holes of uh of plans uh to do a you know some restoration work at manhattan woods uh uh not too far from me here just north of the george washington bridge and then another uh donald ross course as well um all right, thanks, Jaeger. Uh, everybody can follow you on Instagram at Proper Golf um, and uh, occasional occasional correspondent on the Friday. Thanks for writing and everything. But uh, we'll have you on again and uh, look forward to watching Aronimic this week. You got it, man. Glad you made it down there uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, glad to uh, add a little more uh, here. Uh, it's great to chat. <laughs> <laughs>